Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, you're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And in this week's episode, we're reviewing Morbius plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. That's right. Today we're talking about Morbius, which follows biochemist Dr. Michael Morbius, who tries to cure himself of a rare blood disease by merging his DNA with that of a vampire bat. But he inadvertently infects himself with a form of vampirism that fills him with the urge to hunt and feed on blood. Morbius is directed by Daniel Espinosa, with a screenplay by Matt Sazamar and Burke Sharpless, based on a story by Sharpless and Marvel Comics from Roy Thomas and Gil Kane. Morbius stars Jared Leto, Adria Ayona, Jared Harris, Matt Smith, Tyrese Gibson, and Michael Keaton, which isn't a spoiler because he's in the trailer. He is in the trailer, that's right. Lee, I love a vampire flick, right? I'm just going to start there. One of my all-time favourite films is Interview with a Vampire, starring one of our faves, Tom Cruise, got Brad Pitt in there, and Kirsten Dunst. Do you enjoy a vampire movie, like, as a a staple? Like, do you like them? Yeah. This isn't a traditional vampire movie, though. No, totally not. This is a superhero film mixed with vampirism. Yeah. There's a lot of speculation around this character like people are very excited about this film so emotions are running very high it's not your usual marvel fair no i mean i like the premise of introducing like a, the vampire legend and that mm. sort of world into you know a more modernized version of is it the sony verse or the spider verse i yeah. don't know what they call it sub sub marvel verse yes yeah, sub marvel <laughs> <laughs> um and the the hook 
on the marketing collateral for this was a new Marvel legend arrives. Right. Did you think that there were legendary vibes about this movie, Morbius? The short answer is no. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I will say this film is getting ripped to shreds. It is, isn't it? And I don't think the vitriol is warranted. It's not that bad, guys. Okay. It's not great, but it's not that bad. So the movie begins in media res. We're dropped straight into the action of Dr. Morbius gathering his bat DNA in some remote location. And then we flash back to his health struggles as a kid. So they're dropping us straight in the action, which I enjoyed. And it's a good way to hook the audience in immediately. But where it started in that sort of exciting realm, mm. for me, Lee, like I, I feel like I'm part, I'm going to be part of the noise that this film was okay. quite average. I, I do agree. I don't think it was the worst film ever made. Yeah. But it, it wasn't great. But w- when you're referencing like the flashback where you get to learn yeah. who Morbius is, I've, I found those flashbacks like rather cringy. How did okay. you uh, experience them as the viewer? There are a lot of cringy moments in this film and we'll talk about them a bit later. Sure. Most of them involve people being shirtless. <laughs> I think the worst uh. thing about this film was that the script is heavy-handed on the exposition. Sure. They're trying to shoehorn a lot of stuff in and it was just mm. – I thought it was a bit of a slap in the face, okay, because you've got lines like his love interest saying, uh, what are you doing? And he's like, what am I doing? And she's like, let's jog your memory. And then she just explains <laughs> this whole freaking story that wasn't hers to tell. So right. it's unusual because it's coming out of this character's mouth. It was a wrong choice of character to be telling the story, for starters. Like, he should have been telling the story. It would have been more natural. Yeah. And the fact that they're really, like, hitting you over the head with it. And when you're lazy like that or you treat the audience like idiots, it just doesn't go down well. Yeah, it's 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 insulting, isn't it? Because you're introduced to Morbius or Michael Morbius as a boy and we, we really do just, like, skip to him as an adult, as an accomplished biochemist, we're, we're there to assume that he's been making all these breakthroughs and working on more challenging science. And we get none of that discovery in this movie, that really yeah. exciting trial and error or character development as he's, you know, surveying his science and what he's trying to achieve. Yeah. And as you said, we just get served this really insulting slap over the head mm. context that we're not really appreciative of getting in that way. It's just not very sophisticated in terms of the mm. screenplay. You can see what's coming a mile away and that's not always a bad thing, but you know what the conflict's going to be here. You know what the whole movie's going to be before you see it. I think they've just phoned in an origin story for future setup. So it's like we need to yeah. put Morbius in a future film. Quick, we need an origin story to set it up. I completely agree. And there's very little character development, which is a big no-no. It jumps through plots of convenience very quickly, like they're rushing to get to the sequel. That's what I felt from this film. They're rushing to get Mm. to the sequel. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many inconsistencies in the story and the, the, the story in general leads nowhere. Like, especially the end, you're kind of looking back going, what was the point other than specifically setting up him being involved in future Mm. films, which we appreciate, which we expect in this world of multiverses and franchises. But the whole role and purpose or significance of the characters in this film, like what is it 
offering to the wider context. Mm. I'm just a little confused. <laughs> I think what they're trying to do is set up the character's struggle. Mm. You know, the whole thing about Morbius is that he thirsts to hunt for blood. Right. But he's sworn to help people as a doctor. So it's that inner turmoil. But I didn't feel that inner conflict coming through on the screen. And it wasn't in the performance. It's the way the movie is pieced together and it's structured. So you struggled to identify with Dr. Michael Morbius as a bit of an anti-hero character in the way he was written. Yeah, just very yeah. flat. And it's a bit of a shame. It was a shame. Like that is a takeaway from this movie, especially coming off the back of really strong films within this genre recently with mm. Spider-Man No Way Home and the Batman. They were phenomenally yeah. well-versed and well-fleshed out stories and then – a bit of a rough around the edges film yeah. stands out a little bit more, I think. Yeah. I want to talk about Jared Leto yeah. as a performer. You know, he cops a lot of flack recently for House of Gucci, for We Work, you know, the Joker, obviously. But you've got to give the guy credit for the commitment he gives to every role. He never does anything by halves. But here, he feels like a shell of his skill set. Mm. That's that's actually really true. Look, I'm with you. A little bit bored, maybe. A little bored. Yeah, well, he didn't have much to do, to be honest. No. Uh, I think he is an incredibly accomplished yeah. actor. I love Jared Leto. He gets so much crap for no real reason. I don't understand it. Mm. I know you feel the same way. I think it's the behind-the-scenes stories as well. Like, he commits so hard and does some weird things like – um, you know, gifting Margot Robbie a dead rat in character as the Joker. You know, I think that's a little bit too far. But He's a method actor, isn't yeah. he? That's what he's known for. Yeah. Do you think he method acted Dr. Michael Morbius? I don't know. Or was well, he just kind of like coasting along? I mean, his physical performance is really quite good. And even the director mm. said he feared for Jared Leto's spine because he committed so hard to preparation that he was always in that kind of bent, twisted position. Shit, really? Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, like I said, he commits 110% and I really admire that about him as an actor. Some of the things that did crack me up in this film, though, are when he drinks the blood mm -hmm. and it's so torturous, you know, almost as torturous as taking his shirt off. And there were, <laughs> there were many shameless, shirtless moments. <laughs> um, but he squeezes the back. <laughs> Do you need a Sorry. minute? You're thinking about Jared Leto yeah. with his shirt off. Do you know what? I am and I'm not mad. I'm not mad. A hundred percent. You know what? Nobody has any business looking as fucking good as Leto does at nearly 50 years old. Or maybe he is 50. I don't know how old he is exactly. But his skin is ridiculous. I know. Well, I'm, I'm going on 34 at this point and I'm looking at Leto going, you know what? I don't even look that good right now. He's 50. Come to Bat Daddy. <laughs> Stop it. You're killing me. Oh, gosh. Yeah, look, uh, look, I'm not mad that he took his shirt off, but it was it was a moment of just convenience for that slow-mo that this movie yeah. leaned into a lot, that he took his shirt off and <laughs> noticed his pectoral muscles. Uh, yeah. He your heart out, Tom Holland. I know. But going back to the blood, okay, so he, he drinks the blood and he squeezes the bag once and then chucks it away. And I'm like, if you drank more, dude, you would be stronger for longer. Finish the bag. Finish your meal before <laughs> you move on. <laughs> so some of the – just talking about the blood and leftover blood, 
I found some inconsistencies in Morbius's lust for blood because right. there's a moment where one of the characters has the tiniest finger prick of blood on on mm. her finger, and he's like, "Put it away, put a bandaid on that." And and then and then, can I just say to our listeners, Jared Leto does not make that noise. It's quite over exaggeration there. You are not <laughs> wrong. But then but then there's another character that he has an encounter with. Sorry, Leah. I'm sorry, I've lost. I've, I've broken you. There's an encounter that he has with another character and he's literally bleeding everywhere. Yeah. And he doesn't lust after that blood at all. So I just found that really strange to, to believe how much he yearned and wanted the blood yeah. in one moment from a finger prick and then when they're guts are flying out everywhere he's like it's okay maybe it's just because it was his love interest i don't know maybe but you know the <laughs> i will say the chemistry between adriana iona and leto was nice i i believed that yeah that was good that was good we we wanted more mm-hmm. from that i think i i think that that's like a statement of this film we just wanted more of these characters mm-hmm. do, do we want to talk about matt smith who played milo what was your take on him i guess we have to um I was impressed with his physical transformation also. Mm. He does a little shirtless dancing scene and I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> was a vibe. Yeah, it's one of those cheesy, cringy moments where you don't need to have the shirt off. But, you know, he worked hard, so let him have his moment. The, the takeout I have with Matt Smith is that he seemed to have a lot of fun here. Yeah. And he reveled in the task of being the villain. But I, I was just sad that that was the villain that he was given as yeah. an actor because there really wasn't much substance to it, was there? Again, it comes down to the character development. They didn't really yeah. set things up as well as they could have. Let's talk about the CGI and the action because it's, you know, it's a superhero flick. You've got to talk about these things. Mm. I actually really liked the design of the visual effects. And that's one thing that's copying a lot of shit online. There's this wispy purple CGI thing that happens when he flies or he moves. And the way he moves, I thought was quite impressive. But the criticism that I'm seeing is that it's a one trick pony and that's all they do. Yeah, I liked that layer of the effects as well it was very inspired by nightcrawler i think is the is the hero from the x-men yeah it it was very inspired by that and i i really liked it It looked really cool on screen but from my perspective that was the only piece of cgi that looked half decent in this right okay I did enjoy also the way they had him flinging himself against glass and walls like bats do oh that's an interesting observation. The design and the connection with bats I thought was quite good. But, okay, answer me this. Why do their whole faces change? Like the whole bone structure of his face changes back to human again and to bat. Like how does that happen? Explain the science, please, behind that. Oh, look, I'm not as uh, an accomplished biochemist as uh, one Michael Morbius. I don't know. That was odd. Like – I wasn't mad about it. Like, I guess it made sense in Mm. the context, but it was very obvious. And the moments that they did morph their face during conversation in and Mm. out, in and out was a little odd. What was prompting it? It Was was it just getting angry and Mm. cooped up or was it when they were more lusting for blood? There was just, again, inconsistencies to the character design based on the plot development and the character motivations. Maybe some Dr. Michael Morbius experts can uh, write into the podcast and and let us know the thinking behind that. Maybe in the comics it's a bit more clearer. Yeah, maybe there's some context or explanation behind it. That's a good uh, call to action to our listeners out there, Lee. 
Shall we wrap up Morbius or do you have some more that you'd like to talk about? Do you want to go back to the shirtless scene? Yeah, I will just go back there in my dreams, nonetheless, Lee. All right, I think the vitriol surrounding Morbius is unwarranted. It's not atrociously terrible. It's just quite dull. And perhaps that's a worse crime for a conflicted anti-hero that could have brought something unique to this cinematic universe. It's like the filmmakers quickly phoned in an origin story because they have something else planned, except this movie has been delayed for years. So they really Mm. had no excuse not to go back and put some extra time and effort into it. I'm going to give Morbius two popcorn kernels out of five. Well, there you go. Look, Lee, I'm joining the masses on this one. Although I don't think it deserves to be completely written off, I do think Morbius is a very average film. And I'm struggling to figure out how it ended up this way. You just made a really good point. You know, it's been delayed for so long, Mm. they could have gone in and, and tweaked it here and there. The script felt incomplete and there was no real care taken in developing this origin story with much weight or context behind the plot or the characters. Of course, Morbius will show up within this, you know, Spider-Verse, Sony-Verse again, but I'm not excited by it. So whatever director has that task in the near future will have a tough job on their hands to make us connect with and care about Morbius's inclusion. I'm also going to rate Morbius two popcorn kernels. All right, guys, Morbius sinks its teeth into Australian cinemas from March 31st. Support for Popcorn Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code POPCORNPOD at manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived and it's an absolute game changer, Lee. Manscaped were kind enough to send me some free product, which I've loved using. And even as a married man, I still need to keep things fresh and sexy down there. Oh, you do. (laughs) Inside the Performance Package, you'll find their Lawn Mower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of those goodies. I have to say the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair trimmer is a game changer for me. I've got a bit of a hairy schnoz. I've got some weeds to whack (laughs) in my ears. So that is my favorite product in this package. Now it's time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code popcornpod at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code popcornpod. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, Lee, let's jump into our news and trailer section. Lots to cover off here because awards season is officially, insert slow tear down the cheek, Mm. it's over for another year with the Academy Awards, which took place on Sunday, March 27th at the Dolby Theatre in Los Angeles. So let's break down, you know, all the winners, some snubs, and maybe just a sprinkling of controversy from the night, shall we? Controversy? What are you talking about? Don't know her. (laughs) There is a lot to unpack here, especially when it comes to the shocking and much debated altercation between Will Smith and Chris Rock on stage. Say altercation, but, you know, Will Smith Mm. assaulted Chris Rock, basically. Um, After 
Rock made a distasteful joke about Jada Pinkett Smith. You know, we watched the Oscars together. We did. Lee and I. And when that started to play out, I was actually laughing along because I thought it was part of the bit. Yeah. Obviously, I've watched this moment happen over and over and over again and it's everywhere. You can't Mm. escape the slap. And, like, it seemed quite comical at at one Mm. point. The slap seemed fake, but it was 110% real. What's your take out from this? I think the reason it felt fake, and this is just my opinion, is Mm. I think based on the body language, people think it's fake because the body language, he didn't come in for a slap. It's like he did it like fake quickly. And what I think Mm. is that he wasn't intending to do that. I don't think he went up there intending to do that, but there was a split second decision when he was up there and he slapped him. And that's why it doesn't look natural because it was a split second decision in the moment. That's my opinion, which doesn't excuse it at all. Like, violence is never the answer. It's a shitty joke, but um, it could have been handled a lot better. 100%. I mean, the Academy are are looking at ways to reprimand Will's behaviour, whether they take away his membership of the Academy Mm -hmm. Awards or whether they ask him or don't ask him to return to present in the 2023 ceremony. I think they shouldn't take his award from him because he earned that and it was a stupid mistake, but people like Harvey Weinstein still have their award. Uh, Roman Polanski still has his. I think taking the award would be a mistake. Definitely some kind of consequence needs to happen, whether that is that he doesn't get invited back for a couple of years or he doesn't get nominated. He's not allowed to be nominated for a couple of years maybe. Yeah, well, we'll sit tight and see what comes of it. And, there's, you know, this isn't the last of this conversation. It's a very divided topic yeah. around the world, and you know, to say the least. Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one and everyone has an opinion about this. Yes, that's what my grandfather used to say. He <laughs> loved that saying. Now, Lee, let's talk about some winners. Yes. Who won Best Picture at this year's Oscars? Best Picture was won by Coda, which is very exciting. A streaming service won Best Picture. That was massive. Huge. Were you happy about that? Look, I've been quite vocal about this film on the podcast and and, and other conversations. Coda is a nice film. Yeah. It is a good movie. Uh, I don't think it's the best film of the year in my humble opinion mm. i really think west side story or the power of the dog deserved this right. uh, accolade mm. over coda well i mean speaking of the power of the dog jane campion won best director you know her second nomination and the how many third female director to win the award is it third yes yes correct there you go after Catherine bigelow and Chloe Zhao. There you yeah, go. She's the third. Best actress in a leading role went to Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Best actor was Will Smith, as we mentioned, for King Richard. Best supporting actress, I freaking love this, Ariana DeBose yes. for West Side Story. I'm so, so glad that she won. I loved her speech. She's the first openly queer woman of colour to win an Academy Award, which is just fantastic mm. to celebrate in of itself. Were you happy with Jessica Chastain winning? You know, I, I was. I really think she's very deserved. I mean, I would have been super pumped to see Penelope Cruz win for Parallel Mothers and, of course, Kristen Stewart for mm-hmm. Spencer, who we both absolutely love in her role. And then, of course, my wife, Nicole Kimmer, for being the mm. Ricardos, but she's won before, so I'm yeah. happy to see Chastain win. What about you? It was such a strong category. I mean, I was yeah. champion Kristen Stewart all the way, uh, but, yeah, I think Jessica Chastain is very deserving. Um, Also, best original screenplay was Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, which I was very happy with. 
yeah, super happy with. And Coda, along with its Best Picture win, uh, took out the Best Adapted Screenplay uh, trophy and also Best Supporting Actor for Troy Coetzer, yeah. um, which was really lovely to see. We were disappointed that the Mitchells versus the Machines didn't win Best Animation. I think that was the clear front runner, but Encanto, of course, was going to win. It's Disney, you know. But the writing was almost on the wall there. But we we interviewed the head of story, Guillermo Martinez, uh, head of story on Mitchells vs. the Machine, so you can check out our interview with him mm. uh, where you get your podcast right now. I'm also really happy that Jenny Bevan won Best Costume Design for Cruella because that was fantastic. I loved her speech. She was She's a funky lady. Yep. I loved I loved her up there on the stage. Yep. <laughs> um, should we talk about the hosts? So we had Amy Schumer, Regina Hall mm. and Wanda Sykes. What did you think of the, the hosts? I really loved them in their own separate ways when they popped yeah. in throughout the life of the telecast. What, what, what did you think of their uh, collective comedy? Oh, I think they didn't pop in enough to be called hosts and they do this all the time they label a host but then they're hardly in it you know gone are the days of billy crystal or hugh jackman where they're there constantly they're a thorough thread all the way through the ceremony and instead of just like skit relief the headline for me is that i was just really happy to see hosts in the Oscars all all of itself. I think there's a bit of work to do to find that balance, like you've said, Mm. but it's great to have some sort of consistent voice, albeit three of them, um, after three years without any host whatsoever. I do think three was too many, but I think they did a good job. Yeah, I do too. Oh, can we talk about uh, the moment between Lady Gaga and Liza Minnelli before we move on? Because that's just beautiful. So Lady Gaga came on stage with Liza Minnelli in a wheelchair to present an award. Liza needed a bit of help and Lady Gaga was so kind. God, she's a beautiful soul. So much compassion. There was this beautiful off-camera but the audio was still on where Gaga whispered into Liza Minnelli's ear as they were about to read out the nominees for Best Picture, which was the award they were presenting. She said, I've got you. And Liza Minnelli responded, I know. And I just, ah, oh, the chills. Oh, I know. Oh, it's just beautiful. It's, it's just wonderful. It was a really nice way for a quite tumultuous award ceremony yeah. to end on such a beautiful moment yeah. of respect. Until next year. Until next year. And you know where to come to get all the Oscars goss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Tim... Tom Cruise is currently in a fight with Paramount Pictures over the release strategy for Mission Impossible 7. Mm. Cruise is a fierce advocate of the cinema-going experience and he's not happy, Jan, with Paramount's proposed (laughs) 45-day theatrical window before it hits the Paramount Plus streaming service. So obviously the last couple of years have seen some major changes in studio release strategies. Yeah, hasn't it just looked... This is what Cruz wants. He wants a three-month theatrical window in place and has instructed his lawyers to fight for such an outcome. It comes off the back of COVID-19, which has really plagued the production of the seventh Mission Impossible film over the last couple of years and a ballooning budget believed to be upwards of US $300 million now. That's a huge difference to Michael Bay's Ambulance, which just came out and it was done on a $40 million budget. Oh, wow. Crazy. So Mission Impossible 7 is currently due to arrive in cinemas in mid-2023, although it was supposed to be this year. So we'll see what happens. We are exercising patience more than we want to, but won't be too far away. Ezra Miller has been arrested 
in Hawaii. That's the headline here. The Fantastic Beast and the Flash Star was charged with disorderly contact and harassment following an alleged incident inside a bar where he allegedly snatched a microphone from a woman singing karaoke and also lunged at a man playing darts. Okay, so this is why I feel like the Flash is going to fall flat. Right. There is so much controversy around this actor. This is not the first time that he's been in trouble for things like this. Mm. And, yeah, I just feel like it's going to be affecting the marketing strategy and the launch of it and it's been delayed and I'm just not feeling the Flash at all. I've never really felt the Flash other than Michael Keaton's inclusion and return to the Bat-Cow as he was known, two iterations of the Batman. But, you know, right now, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore is on its press tour. Mm. It's just premiered. It comes out very, very soon. And then Ezra Miller, who's in that film, Mm. is kind of fucking about and causing a bit of bad PR around it. So I totally feel and hear your sentiment about The Flash. It could just fall to the wayside. I'm wondering how long it's going to be before studios dump him. Uh, the writing seems to be on the wall at this yeah, point. I don't know. It's just, is it more trouble than it's worth? We'll see. We'll see. In some utterly devastating news this week, action star Bruce Willis, best known for playing John McClane in the Die Hard franchise, has announced his retirement from acting after being diagnosed with aphasia, a debilitating cognitive disorder. This is so, so sad. So a joint statement was posted on his family's social media accounts explaining that Willis has been experiencing some health issues and has recently been diagnosed with aphasia, which is impacting his cognitive abilities. As a result of this and with much consideration, Bruce is stepping away from the career that has meant so much to him. This is just super sad. I don't know much about Mm. this condition, but apparently it makes it hard for him to speak and deliver his lines properly. Right, and you can obviously imagine how challenging that would be Mm. for an actor who has to learn lines and lines of dialogue for monologues and such like. So, I mean, this is so sad that an actor has to walk away from their celebrated career completely out of their control. They don't get the swan song, I guess, Mm. that they so deserve. But maybe he just needs to rest and and Mm. reassess how he moves forward in life with this condition. Because, I mean, mm. you look at actors like Michael J. Fox, who who suffers terribly yeah. from Parkinson's disease, but he has been able to act every now and then in, in small roles. And, you know, maybe maybe Bruce will be able to do that in future once he gets a handle on things. I don't know enough mm. about the condition to know how debilitating it is, but, you know, he's hoping. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. He's hoping. So we got a trailer this week for visionary director Alex Garland's latest film called Men. It follows Harper, played by Jesse Buckley, who retreats alone to the beautiful English countryside after a personal tragedy, hoping for a place to heal. But someone or something from the surrounding woods appears to be stalking her. Oh, I loved this trailer. There was so much atmosphere to it, right? Is it men? Is it men stalking her? <laughs> it's always the men. Uh, the film promises to be a feverish, shape-shifting new horror film and will be in Australian cinemas from June 16 of this year. Yeah, the trailer was pretty spooky. Mm. It's all like peach trees and was it peaches? Peach trees, don't don't pick from the tree. And all these <laughs> men, like fruit. she seemed to be the only woman in a town full of men. Uh, yeah, I'm very I'm very intrigued by this movie as a woman as a woman that's scary enough as it is (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) 
So in more trailer news this week, we got a fun look at the untold story of one 12-year-old's dream to become the world's greatest supervillain, none other than Gru, voiced by Steve Carell from the iconic and wildly successful Despicable Me franchise. Is that every 12-year-old's dream to be the world's <laughs> best supervillain? I wonder. We'll do, we'll do a survey. Minions, The Rise of Gru follows Gru, a fanboy of a supervillain supergroup known as the Vicious Six. Gru hatches a plan to become evil enough to join them. But luckily, he gets some mayhem-making backup from his loyal followers, the endearing Minions. Together, Kevin, Stuart, Bob and Otto deploy their skills as they and Gru build their very first lair, experiment with their very first weapons, and pull off their first missions. I cannot wait for this. I think that the minions have to be the greatest invention in kids' films ever. They're just adorable. (laughs) And Universal Pictures and Illumination Entertainment are rubbing their hands together for the marketing dollars and the and you know all the merchandise. Illumination (laughs) That was very good. (laughs) I love that. Minions The Rise of Gru is in Australian cinemas from June twenty third. Lee, I think it is only fitting to end today's episode with a discussion about a new trailer for Tom Cruise's long-awaited sequel, Top Gun Maverick. Every time I watch one of these trailers and that music and, like, the speed, I feel the need for speed. (laughs) Right. (laughs) After more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Maverick Mitchell, played by Tom Cruise, finds himself training Top Gun graduates for a specialised mission, the likes of which no living pilot has ever seen. Facing an uncertain future and confronting the ghosts of his past, Maverick is drawn into a confrontation with his own deepest fears, culminating in a mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice. I'm so on board with the premise of this movie. And we don't have to wait very long because Top Gun Maverick flies into Australian cinemas from May 26. Did you feel the adrenaline from this trailer, though? It's so nostalgic, though, isn't it? Like as soon as you see Tom Cruise in the plane and all that kind of stuff, you know, you just get the blood pumping. Doesn't it? Oh, gosh. Not long. May 26. Come on, we can hold on just a little bit longer, Lee. And on that note, that's it for another episode of Popcorn Podcast. Guys, we covered Morbius, which is in Australian cinemas now, pretty much. Pretty much. And guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Come and join in the conversation. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.